Welcome to the First Baptist Church Brunswick podcast. Join us as we desire to lead people into a deep and thriving relationship with Jesus Christ. Good morning to you. Has it been a good day so far? Can I get an amen on that? It has been a good day. So glad that you are here. How many of you are having trouble wearing your clothes this weekend? From Thanksgiving, a little tight. Anybody with me? Nobody. Maybe it's only me. Well, if you have your Bibles with you this morning, and I'm sure that you do, go to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4, looking at verses 14 through 23 this morning, as today we complete our journey through the book of Philippians, and all God's people said, praise God. Praise the Lord. We are going to conclude our series titled Joyful, this walk through Philippians. Uh, Next week, we'll begin a brand new series titled A Christmas Playlist. We'll be looking at the songs of Christmas as we look at the first two chapters of the book of Luke, and that sermon series will begin next Sunday, and it's going to conclude um, during our Christmas Eve service, and uh, that will be, that'll be on, when's Christmas Eve? What's the date? Is it always the 24th? Okay. This year it's going to be on the 24th on Christmas Eve. And so, yes, so every year we have a Christmas Eve service, which will be communion and candlelight, and uh, you want to be there for that, and you'll hear more as the weeks um, continue. But we begin that series next week, but today we conclude our series on the book of Philippians, and I've titled today's message, Joy in Giving. And I'm sure after Black Friday and what's coming up tomorrow, Cyber Monday, I'm sure some of you may wonder if there truly is joy in giving as our bank accounts are depleted, but I will assure you that there is joy in giving. And so today's message, as we conclude this series, it is on money. Not how to make it, but how to give it. Now, I know that whenever a a pastor begins to preach and speak on money, it's a sensitive topic, and I run the risk of somebody leaving today saying, well, that's all that pastor talks about is money. Well, that's not true, but that's what our text is going. That's where our text is going to take us this morning. Um, is in a giving. I came across a story this past week of a college student who is in need of money. So he sent a text to his father, and he said, to, "He said, he said, dear dad, uh, no money, no fun. Your son." The father promptly texted back, "Dear son, too bad. I'm sad. Your dad." Well, today, as we conclude this book, I want to remind you something that I shared with you from the very beginning, that the book of Philippians is truly a thank you letter. It really is a missionary thank you letter. Paul, the missionary, started this church at Philippi, and he writes back to them saying, thank you because they gave. And when Paul writes this, he's writing them from from prison. He's not sure what his future is holds, but he wants to let this church know that their giving made a difference in Paul's life, and it made a difference in the spreading of the gospel. And so in our text, verses 14 through 23, we'll really make it through verse 20, but when we look at our text, um, my prayer is that we will see wonderful truths about Christian giving. 
And I think it's appropriate that we talk about giving for really a couple of reasons, and I want to share those with you this morning. Number one, um, it's, it's budget time for our church. It's time for us to approve our 2022 um, budget. Um, we will not approve it today. It will be uh, approved or voted on on Sunday, December the 12th. But our finance committee, uh, along with other committees and ministries, has put together what I think is a fairly good um, budget. And the number is for next year's uh, budget, proposed budget, is $1,914,636.16. Make sure you give that 16 cents, but that is the proposed budget. Um, at the conclusion of today's service, when you walk, uh, when you leave, there will be uh, budgets for you to, uh, to look over. You're encouraged to look over those and see where all of our funds go to. We, we're an open book. You can look. That's fine. If you have any questions, uh, please feel free to call Taylor Gordon, our church administrator. And if he can't answer the question, he will put you in contact with our finance committee. But, but I'm super pleased with what our finance committee has done. Can you give them a round of applause? Would you do that, please? Thank you. The second reason why I think it's appropriate that we talk about uh, giving is because of what we already mentioned earlier and because we see the flags. That's because of the Lottie Moon Christmas uh, offering. Um, last year, uh, our church's goal was $20,200.20. That was the year 2020. Or in the year 2020, or excuse me, that's 2021. In the year 2022, our goal is going to be $35,000. Last year, we collected over $32,000. So we blew the goal out of the water. And so I just want to say thank you for that and that we continue uh, to, to give to the Lottie Moon Christmas offering. And so, so all of this, as I see all of this come together, as I see the ending of this sermon series come together, I stand amazed, um, and, and really on Tuesday and Wednesday, I was just in awe of the Heavenly Father and in the providential, sovereign hand of God, and how He orchestrates all things, He makes all things to work together. I remember when I, when I was organizing and planning this sermon series, um, I had planned to complete this series um, about uh, two weeks before Thanksgiving. But two weeks ago, uh, I just got dog tired. Anybody with me know what I'm talking about? I just got tired. And I just needed just a little bit of, of, of a break and a breather. And we had some guest speakers um, uh, speak, and uh, Ethan, our student pastor, spoke as well. But that allowed me to push the sermon series back a couple of weeks, and it allowed me to preach the two Sundays that, that sandwiched Thanksgiving. It allowed me to preach on joy and being thankful, and today I get to preach on joy and giving, thanksgiving. But God orchestrated that, and as I was preparing this, I just stood in awe that God is in control of the details. Amen? God is in control, and so he works all things together. And I don't know why a couple of weeks ago I got tired. I don't know why certain things happen, but when I turn around and look back and I see the providential hand of God, I say, thank you, Jesus, that you're in control and that you know what you're doing because I have no idea. Can I get an amen on that one? To Jesus, not me. Amen. 
God is in control. And so I'm thankful, so thankful um, about today's message, how it's sandwiched around Thanksgiving and how we get to conclude this message. And so here's the big idea of today's message. And, And write this down. Here's the big idea. The joyful life is a life that gives. Would you say that with me? A joyful life is a life that gives. And in Paul's last few verses, we see, because remember the theme of, of, of Philippians has been joy. The theme has been joy. And we'll see that Paul says that a joyful life is a life that gives. And he's going to show us the joy that came from the church in Philippi, but also the joy that came in his life. Look at verses 14 through 15. Follow along in your copy of God's Word. And it says, Paul writes this, Nevertheless, you have done well to share with me in my affliction. That Greek word, share with me, it's the Greek word koinonia. It means fellowship. It means two people in a boat rowing together. And so Paul says, you have done well to share with me. We've come together for for one purpose. You've shared with me in giving. You've shared with me in affliction. And this statement is filled with joy. Look at verse 15. He says, you yourselves know this, Philippians. You know that at the first preaching of the gospel, after I left Macedonia, now remember, Philippi is in Macedonia. After I left Macedonia, no church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving but you alone. Think about that for just a moment, church. Paul says, Paul, the greatest church planter, maybe the greatest missionary, Paul says, he says, church, listen to this, no church shared with me except you and you alone. Think about that. No church shared with me but you So on one hand, there's great joy from Paul. He's saying, thank you that you shared with me. But can you also maybe hear a little bit of disappointment that no other church joined along in the spreading of the gospel of Jesus Christ? Paul says, nobody did it but you. Look at verse 16. For even in Thessalonica, you sent a gift more than once for my needs. Here's the first thing we can learn about having joy in giving. Number one, write this down. A joyful church is a giving church. A joyful church is a giving church. You can even flip that around and say a giving church is a joyful church. And this is what Paul says to the church at Philippi. Now, let's remember the context here. Um, Paul is writing this letter to the church at Philippi. He's writing it 10 years after he planted this church. And when he planted this church, there was uh, a major spiritual oppression Now, let me remind you what took place when Paul and Silas, when they started this church. This comes from Acts chapter 16, if you want to know more about that. But when Paul started this church in Philippi, here's what happened to him. Number one, he was beaten. It's pretty good. He was thrown in jail. He he was arrested. He was thrown in jail. He's placed in chains, and there he and Silas were miraculously delivered when there was a midnight earthquake. If you remember the story, that's where the Philippian jailer was was saved by all of this happening. And then after Paul and Silas were delivered by this miraculous earthquake, they were escorted out of town because the church, excuse me, because the city leader said, you are causing too much of a disturbance. Anybody want to sign up for church planting? No, I I don't think so. But this is what, that's what happened to Paul. 
Paul starts this church, has great fruit within the church, but the local community despised him. It said, you, Paul, you, Silas, you get out of town. You're causing too much of a disturbance. And so Paul leaves, and he, and he makes his way to Thessalonica. And there in Thessalonica, um, he has problems in Thessalonica. He goes to Berea, has some fruit in Berea, but men from Thessalonica came to Berea and said, don't listen to Paul, he's a rabble-rouser. So wherever Paul goes, he's, there's these men who are following after him and saying, Paul, you need to keep your mouth shut. But here's why Paul is so grateful and why Paul is so thankful for the church at Philippi. They never forgot what Paul did for them. They remember all the spiritual oppression that Paul experienced. They did not forget what it cost Paul to bring the gospel to their city. And here's the thing. Paul didn't forget what they did for him. Look at verse number 14. Look at verse number 14. Uh, excuse me, look at verse number 15. Paul uses some, uh, some accounting terminology here. Um, he uses some accounting terminology when he says, look at the end of verse 15. After I left Macedonia, no church shared with me in the matter of what? Giving and receiving. So in Paul's mind, he's teaching them this. He's teaching us this about Christian ministry. It's a two-way street. Paul preached the gospel, which benefited those who heard the message, and then the hearers supported him financially because they received a blessing from him. In church, that's the way it works. The Bible teaches this, that if somebody blesses you, if somebody blesses you, then you, then you bless them because they blessed you. That's the biblical model. That's the biblical model for, for pastors. That was the biblical model for the Old Testament priest. In the Old Testament, when you came to give an offering, some of that went for the offering and some of that went to the priest so that they would be provided for. Why? Because the priest blessed the people and now the people are going to bless the priest. It's the same way today in the New Testament, the New Testament church. If you have been blessed then you give where you have been blessed. You give where you have been blessed. Malachi 3.10 says this, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. So here's the question when it comes to giving. Are you blessed by your church? If you're blessed by your church, then give there. You, you give there. Not, not out, of, out of guilt or because the pastor says that, but you, but you give out obedience. You give out of receiving a blessing. What, what I do, what the pastors do, what, what many lay leaders do when they teach or when they organize things, it is to be a blessing to you. It's to be a blessing to you to see you take one step closer to Jesus. And then the Bible teaches if you've been blessed by them, then you bless in return. Have you ever been blessed by a, a missionary in a distant land? Then, then bless them, help them, give them. If you see a, a ministry within our city where you have been blessed by that ministry, then give to them. If, if you believe that a certain uh, college needs a winning football program, please give to Texas Tech. <laughs> Ann Dempsey, where's Ann? Ann, where are you? Yes, Ann, this morning, this morning, Ann came up to me and I, she said, Pastor, I just want to remind, see, by the way, Texas Tech played Baylor yesterday, and so Ann comes up, and they lost 27 to 24, and so Ann comes or says to me this morning, she says, Pastor Chris, you do remember that I'm a graduate of Baylor University. 
Do not give to Baylor University. <laughs> the crooks, they're Baylor fans back there. But, uh, but really, if, if there is a, a biblical college or, or institution where, where, where you have been blessed or you see that they are raising um, the next generation of, of godly men and women, then give to them. I know one great institution in our state of Georgia, um, and I'm on their board of directors, but it's a great university. Trent McConnell University is doing some fantastic things in the northern part of Georgia, doing some great things. But if there's a place where you've been blessed, the biblical model is you give in the areas where you have been blessed. And all throughout Scripture, it is never, giving is never to be given out of guilt. It's not out of guilt. Giving is always a matter of obedience. It's always a matter of obedience. We are never supposed to grunt or groan or complain when we put money into the offering. Anybody remember offering plates that passed by? You remember those things? They were circled. You remember those things? Yeah, COVID kind of changed some things there, but uh, now we see a lot of giving online, and, and that, that's fine, but, but we never are to give out of, out of uh, guilt or, or when we, we groan or we grunt or we mumble. No, the Bible says God loves a cheerful giver. God says you want to give out of the abundance of your heart. As a matter of fact, he really says you even give out of the abundance of your poverty, I mean, the Bible never says anything about giving is dependent upon how much money you make. As a matter of fact, the opposite is kind of true. The Bible actually commends those who have very little and they give out of their little. God says give. Just give. Give. Give where you have been blessed. If you've been blessed here, then give. And let that be a joyful and cheerful moment. So number one, a joyful church is a giving church. And by the way, can I tell you that you are a giving church? Amen? You are a giving church. I, I brag on you to other pastors on how well you have continued to give. Um, this year, our, our giving is unbelievable. It's, it's better than last year. It's better than the year before. And, and I've told other pastors, and I believe this with all of my heart, we, we, First Baptist Church Brunswick, we are in the middle of, and I've coined this term myself, I believe, I don't think anybody else says it, we are in the midst of a financial giving revival. And you know what the crazy thing is? Over the past year, I have rarely talked about giving, and everybody said, thank you, Jesus. But you have been obedient. You have been obedient. You've allowed the Holy Spirit to lead you. You've allowed the Holy Spirit to guide you. You've allowed the Holy Spirit to direct your paths. And so, church, I just want to say to you, thank you for being a giving church, and you're a giving church because I believe that you are a joyful church. Amen? You are a joyful church. Here's the second thing that we can learn from our text this morning is this. We are blessed, lives are changed, and God is blessed when we give. We are blessed, lives are changed, and God is pleased when we give. Look at verse number 17. Look at verses 17 through 18, and this is what Paul said, writing to the church at Philippi. He says, not that I seek the gift itself. 
Paul is saying, you know, I appreciate the gift. Really wasn't looking for it, but I'm appreciative of it. Here's what I find to be more important. This is what he says. But I seek for the profit which increases to your account. Meaning this, when you give, or because you gave, I find greater joy in knowing that that you're maturing in your faith. That's what he's saying. Verse 18, but I have received everything in full, and I have an abundance. Now, where's Paul when he's writing this? He's in prison. Yet in prison, he says, I have an abundance. I have an abundance. He says, I'm amply supplied. I've received everything from Epaphroditus, what you have sent. And look what he says about this gift. It was a fragrant aroma. It was an acceptable sacrifice, and it's well-pleasing to God. Here, those two verses, man, you see the greatness of Paul's heart. Do you, do you see that? So many times, and this is true in my life, um, you know, I've always believed that, that that I, I, was not giving, I was not given the spiritual gift of giving gifts. I've been given the spiritual gift of receiving gifts. You know what I'm talking about? I love that, right? We all love that. We all love, I mean, we all love to receive gifts. But, but, but here's Paul. Paul's like, man, the gift, yes, I'm appreciative of it. But, but here's what's even more exciting to me. I'm more excited that, that you, out of the goodness of your heart and out of your obedience, out of your love for me, love for the gospel, love, love for Christ, and love for the church, out of that love you gave. That's what excites me more than the gift. I mean, that, that's the greatness of Paul's heart. That's where we have to come as, as mature believers, that, that we give out of the goodness of our heart, and then we receive the gift, and we're thankful for the one who gave the gift. Are you with me? I mean, be thankful for the one who gave the gift, and not the gift itself. And I, I just love this. Paul does not, he has not guilted them to give. He has not condemned them because they did not give. I mean, he just says, thank you for giving out of the goodness of your hearts. You know, as a pastor, <laughs> I receive, and, and Robin, my administrative assistant, who does a great job, um, Robin Halsey does a fantastic job, um, I receive countless fundraising letters. Anybody with me? Some of you do that. I, I just, you just get so many of them, right? And the, the general tone of many of the uh, the fundraiser letters goes something like this. If you don't give within the next 10 days, we have to close our doors, right? You know, and then they put a picture, a sad looking, you know, makes you sad, you know. How many of y'all like those, those, those dog commercials, those animals? Oh, it breaks my heart. I understand, but I'm like, I can't watch this. I can't watch. But it's kind of, but it's kind of that idea. You, you, you know what I'm saying? And, 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 they, and they almost guilt you to give, Nowhere does Paul guilt them to do anything. Nowhere does he say, you need to give if not this, if not that. No, he says, I'm just so glad that you've given out of the goodness of your heart. Because giving, you might want to write this down, this is not on the screen, but giving is a sign of spiritual maturity. Giving is a sign of spiritual maturity. You see, when you and I give, we become like God. Not, we don't become God, but we become what? Like him. John three sixteen. for God so loved the world that he, when you and I give, when we give out of our abundance, when we give out of our poverty, 
we take on a godly characteristic trait. And when you give, it is a sign of spiritual maturity. And so Paul is saying, listen, when you give, it's credited to your account in heaven. When you give, it's credited to your account. I mean, think about that. When you give, it becomes an eternal investment. When you give, it becomes an eternal investment. One of the, one of the great things I love about being a Southern Baptist, and again, please, please hear me out if you're a guest here or you're maybe you don't fully understand everything Southern Baptist, please understand, I am not putting my Southern Baptist membership above me being a believer in Christ. Amen? I'm, that's, that's not the case. But one of the things that I love, appreciate, and want to protect and lead our church through, a part of being a Southern Baptist church is this, is that we are committed to international missions. And we're committed through the International Mission Board. That's just who we are. That's, that's, that's part of the, the parade of, of flags. And, and so when you, when you and I give to the Lighting Moon Christmas offering, here's, here's, here's what you do. One, you help fund the spread of the gospel. Here's some stats from the International Mission Board. Um, we need to give because according to the International Mission Board, 154,000 people are dying daily without Christ. 154,000. That's two times the size of Glen County. 154,000 people died daily without Christ. There are over 7,000 unreached people groups that contain 4.5 billion unreached people, which means if those 4.5 people unreached, 4.5 billion unreached people die without Christ, they die separated from Him for all of eternity. Some other stats. The world population is growing by almost 1.5 million people per week, and it's estimated that evangelical Christians only share the gospel approximately 275,000 times per week. I mean, we're not keeping up with the population growth. But yet Jesus, some of his last words says, go ye therefore into all the world and do what? You what? You make disciples and you baptize them. The International Mission Board said this, if 25% of Southern Baptists gave $100 to the Lottie Moon Christmas offering, and by the way, there's 47,000 churches with 15 million church members in the Southern Baptist Convention. If 25% of Southern Baptists gave $100 to the Lottie Moon Christmas offering, we would raise over $400 million to spread the gospel across the world. $100, right? With inflation rates, that's like taking a family of four to McDonald's, Right? I mean, $100. Let me tell you, for the past two years, for the past two years, let me share with you what some numbers from the International Mission Board from our 3,500 missionaries all around the world. In 2019, uh, over half a million people heard the gospel. 47,000 were baptized. 12,000 new churches were started. And then you know what happened 2019, COVID, this small COVID virus took place around the world, and you would think things would slow down. In 2020, in 2020, in a COVID year, get this, 87,000 people were baptized. 770,000 people heard the gospel. 145,000 new believers and over 19,000 new churches were started. And all of this happened because you gave. Can we give a hand clap of praise to the Lord for that? 
And I know, and I know the argument. I, I know there's, 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 there's some people who, who like to argue these, this thing, and because I hear this a lot, they'll say this, well, pastor, we need to go more than we give. We need to go more than we give. And, and I understand the sentiment. I totally understand that. But it is my belief, and really it's, 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 my belief comes from Scripture, is this, giving or going is not an either or, it's a both and. Some of us cannot physically go. Amen? Some of us can physically go. If you are physically go, you are commanded to go. Matthew chapter 28, that, that is not an option for us. The command is we go. We, we are to go. If you're physically able, then you need to go. If you're not physically able, that's understandable. But here's what I do know. Everybody can give. Everybody can give. Not everybody can go, but everybody can give. And when you give, I, catch the, I just want you to catch this part because it's been convicting to me. And, and as, as I was praying about this message this morning and going over this morning, it just hit me and it convicted me. When we give, we are investing in God's work and it will be credited to our account in heaven. We get a hold of that. And this is what Paul says. Man, I'm thankful for the gift, but I'm but I'm more excited that the pro- for your profit that you're going to receive in heaven. When you and I give, God is keeping record of that, and he will put that into your account. I don't know about you, but when that time comes for me to stand before him, and he takes an account of my life, I, I want to be known as a giver. And here's the reality. All of us will stand before the Lord. Every believer in Jesus Christ will stand before the Lord. Every non-believer will be standing before the Lord. If you're a non-believer, there's just going to be one response from Jesus. Away from me, I never knew you. But for a believer, according to Paul in Corinthians, before every believer, we will stand on what's called the Bema seat or the judgment seat, which is an awards ceremony. Meaning each one of us will walk across the Bema seat before God the Father and God the Son, and they will review your life and will give you the rewards that you are due. He will hold it into your account. So church, listen, when you give, when you give, you are blessed. Lives are changed, and God is well pleased. So here's the third thing I want you to learn from our text this morning is this. There is no need to fear when we give. And this is what Paul is going to talk about. I was going to finish this out. There is no need to fear when we give. Number one, there's a joyful church is a giving church. Two, we're blessed. Uh, Lives are changed and God is pleased when we give. And number three, there is no need to fear when we give. Look at verse number 19. You know this verse. Paul says this, and my God... And my God will supply or shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Verse 20, now to our God and Father be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Verse 19, one of the more famous promises in all of Scripture. Uh, James Montgomery Boyce, who is a famous uh, American Bible teacher, passed away in the year 2000, um, said this about verse 19, that this may be the greatest promise in all the Bible because it contains within it every other promise. 
And Boyce said, there are three parts to this promise, and I'm taking these three parts from James Montgomery Boyce. Boyce, you might want to write these down. They're not on the screen. But there's three parts to this promise found in verse number 19. Number one, there's the source of the promise. Paul says, and my God. Do you see that? And my God. Notice that Paul did not say, and God. Do you see that? I mean, he could have said, and God will supply but instead, for whatever reason, Paul, uh, Paul was personal. This is a testimony. He says, and my God, my God, the source of this promise is my God. And Paul is making that point to the church at Philippi that, that my God is, is your God. My God, Paul, my God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, that's my God. The God who raised up Moses to leadership, that's my God. The God who led Joshua around the walls of Jericho, that's my God. The God who enabled David to defeat Goliath, that's my God. The God of Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, and all the prophets, that's my God. The God of the virgin birth, that's my God. The God who raised Jesus from the dead, that's my God. The God of all the apostles, that's my God. And so Paul says, my God will supply your needs. Not some other God. Not something that you created with your own hands. Like the recent sermon we heard from, from Mission India. Do you remember that picture where they showed Indians creating their own idols? Do you remember that? He says, not from something that's been created, but from my God, a personal God. My God is the source of all of the provision. The second thing that Boyce says is this. There is the statement of the promise. You have the source of the promise, then you have the statement of the promise. And my God will supply all your needs. And the most important word in that phrase is the word all. In Greek, that word all means all. It means everything. So my God, your God, my God will supply all your needs, which means this, whatever you need, my God will supply. Whatever you need. So whatever you need this Thanksgiving season as we transition into Christmas season, whatever you need, God will supply all. Do you need forgiveness? He has a abundance of forgiveness. Do you need grace? Oh, God has more grace than we can ever imagine. Do you need hope? He's the God of hope. Are you tired and you want to give up? Jesus says, come unto me, come unto me, all you who are weary and heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. Are you concerned about the future with, man, possibly another greater virus coming our way? Have you heard that? Are you concerned? Well, know this, Jesus, or, or God through the, uh, the book of Proverbs says this, in all your ways acknowledge him, he will make your path straight. Do you need a miracle? Do you need a miracle from God? When we're coming upon the Christmas season, we're going to hear one of the greatest miracles. Jesus, born of a virgin. And so we can learn that there's nothing impossible with God. And so Paul says to the church, listen, my God, my God, the God of history. 
My God will supply every single thing that you need. And then you have the third thing. It's this, the sufficiency of the promise. My God will supply all your needs. How? According to his riches in, in glory in Christ Jesus. That's, that's God's way of saying, come on back if you want something more. Because I've got enough. All of those things that you need, that God knows that you need, he has ample supply of it. Which means this, don't ever think that you're asking too much from the Lord. Amen? Don't ever fall for the lie that you're asking too much from the Lord. I believe that too many times we don't ask enough of the Lord. Man, let's be abundant prayers. Let's ask for more. God, you, you'll meet all my needs according to your glorious riches in Christ Jesus. So God, out of your abundance, God, I'm going to pray for abundance in whatever my need is. Why can we pray that? Because God has more than enough for all of us. He has more than enough so that when you go to him and when you, when you come to him and when you give, know this, you, you can't outgive God because he's going to continue to pour his blessings upon you. So you have the source, the statement, and the sufficiency of, of that promise. God will take care of all of your needs. And what's the context? What's verse 19's context? What's the context? It's giving. Much like Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. We often take that out of context and make it apply to whatever we want, right? So many times we can take Philippians 4.19 and take it out of context as well. Well, guys, it's going to give me everything, whatever I need. Ha ha. Rub the genie's lamp. Are you with me? The context is within giving. When you give, God is able to meet all of your needs. Does that make sense? When you give, God is able to, to meet. When you give, when you become like God and you become a giver, he says, man, I'm going to meet all your needs. I'm going to meet all of them. But you've got to trust me first. You've got to trust me first. Trust me with your resources, one, that, that I've already provided for you, that you can give a little to those who are in need, and trust me that I am going to take care of all of your needs. Now, I know this, and I'm, I'm going to close with this, and it's only 1130. Y'all want more? Nope. We want you to end, Pastor. Let me close with this. When it comes to giving, um, I, I, sometimes there is fear in giving because we think, I, I've thought this before in my life, I'm sure you've experienced this in your life as well, but sometimes we, we fear to give because we think we'll go broke if we do give. I know several points in my life um, when it would come to giving of my tithes and offering to the church. And you may know this, there are many times where I've experienced where I did not give my tithe or my offering to the church at the very beginning of my paycheck. Are you with me? And that whole next paycheck, man, I'm just worried. 
I'm scared that I'm not going to have enough. Are you with me? But the opposite is 100% true as well, that whenever I gave my tithe or my offering as the first fruits, there was no worries. Had the same amount of money. The only thing that was different was where I put my trust. Right? First fruits. God, I'm going to trust you. God, I, man, I got this, God. And I got all these things. God says, I, trust me. Just trust me. You know, there's only one place in Scripture where God says, test me. Do you know where it comes in? Test me in your giving. That's it. Don't test him in other things. <laughs> when it comes to giving, he says, test me. And you know what God says? And I'll prove myself to you. I will prove myself to you. Trust me. And everything's taken care of. But whenever you put your, your giving and your tithe or and your offering at the end of that paycheck, in essence, what you're saying is, God, I, I don't trust you with all this over here. And I'm only going to give you my leftovers. Let's don't be a leftover church. I don't want you to be a leftover individual. I don't want to be a leftover family. My prayer is that you would be a person, a family, business, a church that gives your first fruits. And you trust God that he is going to meet all of your needs. And as Paul said, my God, my God, my God, my God's going to supply your needs. He's done it for me in the past. He's going to do it for me again in the future. He's done it for you in the past. He's going to do it for you in the future. But he says, just trust me because I've got you and I will lead you. Man, may we continue to be that giving church. Amen. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for this day, God. God, I pray that we would give out of our abundance and we would give out of our poverty. But Lord, it would begin that we would first give our lives to you. So Father, if there's somebody here who's not given their life to you, I pray today that they would come under the conviction of the Holy Spirit that they need to give their life to you, repent from their sins, turn to Jesus, and surrender everything to you. And Father, if there's anybody here who has in the past made that decision to follow you, but maybe have wandered away, and there's other things that have taken number one in their life, Father, I pray right now that today you would become number one. And then, Father, I pray in the subject of giving that we would find joy in giving, knowing, knowing that my God will supply all of our needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. So this morning, God, we say we put our faith, we put our hope, and we put our trust in you. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, let's stand together.